Are you ready to age incredibly? We are so excited to present our third annual Wonder Health Age and Vitality Summit, Fort Collins, Colorado, April the 18th, 2020, and Indianapolis, Indiana, September the 19th, 2020. You cannot afford to not age well. Your life depends on it, and we are thrilled to create this community so that you may understand the power of aging. This week on the Wonder Life Podcast, I'm so excited to share my amazing mother with all of you. In a two-part series with Susan Boatwright, my mom, and other women that I know, we chat about the things that their mothers may have or may not have told them about life and aging. I think it's super important for us as a community to come together to understand the information that we need to age incredibly with vitality, with beauty, with power and information. So today we're going to talk about the things my mother never told me, (laughs) or as we like to talk about, my mother never told me (laughs) S-H-I-T. So, you know, when we think about that, when we think about that, you're, you know, 60 plus. Thanks. I appreciate that. Single and ready to mingle. And, you know, you've had to navigate your aging process without a lot of information, you know, from your mother. What are some of the things that you have encountered that would have been very nice to have had some guidance on? Everything. Everything in the aging process. My mother never gave me any information in the aging process. The only thing that she would talk about was from her own myopic point of view, which is all any of us really have, but whatever she would say would be said almost as, uh, as an aside to whoever might be listening. She never gave instruction or never shared information that would be helpful about the aging process. She never said anything. So anything that but she I, was born in 1927. Well, and so it's no fault of hers, right? Because she was born at a time when information sharing was not what was done. You kept that information within the family, such as it was. She had sisters, and I'm sure they talked about a lot of stuff over card games or at bingo or on the way to bingo. With or did other. they? Who well, knows? well, I, well. The, the point is, is I don't know. That is an assumption. Except that I do know that I was told uh, stay out of grown folks' business, and that's why kids would be sent away from the table when the conversations at the table between her sisters and her, or her sisters and a few of their girlfriends, while they were playing cards or doing whatever they were, that, they were almost always playing cards. That's where they shared their, their had their social time. You know, men will go meet in a bar or or at a coffee shop these days or you know it's not starbucks or einstein because i know some men of this generation who go meet their friends or a donut shop they get together for breakfast and they have these generalized conversations i really don't know what conversations men have in private but i would suspect that some of this comes up in that 
but for women, it was like the old sewing circles used to be, I would imagine, back in the old days where women would sit and sew and they would have womanly conversations and share their womanly wisdom. My mother never shared anything with me. And honestly, if my cousins who are twin cousins and their sister, sisters, if their mother shared things with them, uh, they may have generalized information, but they did not get into detail and have intimate conversations with their daughters. I don't know of any of my girlfriends my age that they're going to tell you the same things I'm saying. Our mothers never shared information with us. They told us what to do. They, they certainly did not withhold their disapproval of things we did do. They praised us very little. Um, and they did, not, they did not investigate their own circumstances to bring back information to share with. Not, not like you and I have. You know, because one thing that I decided as a very young person and probably in my early days of motherhood is that I would not be who my parents were. You know, I would not be who my mother was specifically. I did not like the way my mother mothered. I know she mothered the best that she could, but I didn't like it. I, I didn't, I just did not feel like my needs were met. My earthly needs, like a roof over my head and food on the table and, and, you know, uh, clothes on my back that were always clean. I mean, we always looked like we stepped out of a bandbox because we were always socially acceptable, at least in terms of our appearance and where we lived and the yard was always well kept. I mean, all that, that environmental stuff was always met. I never had a need in that way. But in terms of emotionally uh, um, developed attachments with my mother, I didn't have it. So I knew way back if I, when I was um, pregnant and was going to become a mother that I would not be the kind of mother that I had because I found it wanting. And so as a consequence, poor you and your brothers have me, have me um, you know, heaping love on you, telling you all the time, sharing information with you on a regular basis, asking you for your information because I think you have your own individual wisdom. And however you are maturing yourself through life, it assists me in having a better understanding of who you are. And I don't wanna lose any opportunity to know you well and to be present and supportive for you. What are the, what are the top five things throughout life and as you're aging that would have been super helpful? We're always aging, so, you know, it's like, was there, were there times when you found yourself totally verklempt when life hit you with its nowness and you were like, what the hell am I supposed to do? Sure. You know, had I, uh, my mother said something about heading into menopause, what that experience was like, even if she had given me that information in her post-menopausal years to say, this is what you're going to be looking at when you're headed into menopause. It may not be the same for me as it was for you, but this is how your body takes you over and takes over your emotions and you have no idea what's happening to you or how to control it. This is how menopause 
takes over your physical body and puts weight on you. And no matter what you do, you can't get rid of it. You can go to the exercise class 150 times a day. Or you can walk 10 miles a day. You can cut your eating back to almost nothing. And your body, your hormones have decided they're going to do something different. And what do you do? How do you, how do you navigate those waters? How do you, uh, you know, how do you personally deal with the emotional ups and downs and the night sweats and the, you know, the leg cramps and what do you do? Or, or I don't know what you do, but this is maybe your experience. Let's go find out how we can work this out together. Because when it happened to me, this is what happened. And I didn't know what to do. And, you know, your daddy, my, my father is what my mother said. I know that my dad uh, massaged my mother's legs when she would have night cramps. I know that he was the one looking for remedies to help her. She wasn't looking for remedies to help herself at all. I know that because I was the observer. I never heard conversations or never, there was never information sharing, but I watched how the two of them navigated her menopausal years. It was hell for my dad. My mother was an emotional basket case. She was angry and loud and she was, uh, uh, sometimes she was just flat out nasty. Um, and my dad navigated those waters with her. He, he understood and maybe didn't have words for it, but I watched him navigate those waters with her. She went through them. That's all I can tell you. And it would have been nice after, after it was over, because in those years, she would, uh, she, my mother was young when she started in the menopause. She was like 39. And then she had some female issues that people didn't even talk about. But, you know, 20 years later, when things had begun to change in terms of how people were living their lives, so 20 minutes, 20 years later would have been into the 80s and 90s when my mother, was, who was extremely intelligent, uh, very capable, very accomplished person, she could have begun to share her experiences, even if she didn't have, you know, um, research from the internet or from going to the library, she could have said, hey, you're this menopausal thing is a mess. It's a bitch. And you don't know how to, what to do with it or how to get out of it until you're through it. But then, you know, I want to help you with this process so that you can understand what it's like. And it may be even more difficult for you because you don't have, you're not married and you don't have anybody to be there to support you when you're going through this process. Yeah, that would have been one thing. It would have been nice for my mother, and I'm not going to just put it on my mother, but uh, for my mother and or my father to have given me financial advice because even though they made a comfortable life for themselves and I tangentially or peripherally heard them talk about, you know, get as much real estate as you can, how they did that and how they, um, how they managed their own wealth would have been really helpful for me to know. And I asked questions, let me tell you, I asked questions, but they never ever told me good financial strategies. But they accumulated a little bit of wealth for themselves and made themselves very comfortable. And my mother was a business entrepreneur. I, I did watch how they managed that and I did not really get to hear how they made their decisions or why. I got, uh, I got headliners or, or uh, 
topic headings for how, how they did things. If you would think of it in, the, in terms of how you were going to prepare a, uh, uh, a research paper, you know, you would first decide what the title was and then what the theory was you were going to try to prove and you would write out your topic headings. I got topic headings, but I never got any information underneath that to figure out, even though I would ask questions, they would, they, my mother didn't share that information and my mother was a business person. So she knew what she was doing. That I did get insights uh, to her credit about how her financial mind worked when she um, was helping me run my law practice. And that was fun because she was in my office, but all she would say was, this is what you have to do. And this is what you have to do. And not the reasons why this is what I had to do is what I had to do. I had to learn that on my own. And I did ask questions because I've always been curious and I've always had an inquiring mind. So I didn't sit with the questions in my head, I would ask. And her position was this, that I, um, you know, she didn't have time to teach me or, you know, it was just something that she would do and I would get to hear the, the consequences of her wisdom or her excellent business practice. So that would be a couple of things. What else would I like to know? I would like to have known why my mother suffered so emotionally after my father died. I saw the, I was an observer, but there was never any real sharing with me. And perhaps that is simply born out of the parent-child relationship and her lifetime unwillingness to recognize that her children were adults and that we could handle her sorrow and we could be there and be supportive of her. We were supportive of her and we loved her. Uh, to the extent that she would let us. And uh, especially my, not my oldest brother, but my middle sibling and I, we did that. I would have liked to have shared that with her a lot more. Not just taken care of her, but really been there to share that emotional experience. I would have loved for my mother to have talked about her sexuality with me. And again, as I say, considering that she was born in 1927, considering what a extremely um, private emotional life she lived. Um, I know that that may, that is kind of a uh, uh, pipe dream for me to have had, but in retrospect, that would have been nice to know. And maybe that all comes along with telling me about her menopausal and postmenopausal years. But my mother's sexuality, that being a little bit different than just the physiology of it, my mother really wanted to have another relationship after my dad died. And she did not know how to navigate those waters. And she didn't know, my mother didn't know how to date. My mother didn't, it was not a, a time in which women who were widowed or uh, who had been single for a long time had the opportunities that women these days do. But there is, there's still a conversations that could have been had. I heard, you know, again, snapshots or bullet points or topic headings about what her experiences were. And I could watch what she was trying to do and we could all sort of laugh about it. But things that we discovered about her after she passed away. Like finding the vibrators under her bed. Hell yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I'm her kid and my, I was astonished to learn that my mother was trying to take care of her own sexuality. 
I was a great revelation. I say, praise the Lord. But, but, uh, you know, I didn't know about it. She never talked about it. It was a secret. Maybe all of her siblings who had done it. I, I don't know, but I was, I was both proud of her and wish that she had said something about it because she could have taught me some stuff. So if you go back to, you know, the sex piece, you were growing up in the 60s. What did your parents say about sex? How Don't your, have it. What did your, how did your parents prepare you to have a positive sexual they, they, life? They didn't. That They never gave me any individualized or particularized uh, instruction or guidance you know the whole way uh, through my teen years all we knew was if someone got pregnant it was whispered about as if it was shameful uh, and if you got pregnant out of wedlock they were really whispering about that if a, if a married woman got pregnant they did not use the word pregnant they used the word she they use these words she's going to have a baby she she and her husband not even her husband she's going to have the baby like he was out in space somewhere and she got it by immaculate conception but she's going to have a baby never told us how you get babies i was still graduating from high school and i really still even though i had sent away for a book from the Kimberly Clark company to find out about ministration because my mother never told me about ministration. And my little book came in this envelope um, in, a, in an envelope about this big. It was light brown, it had my name on it. So you couldn't tell if I had ordered a book from the library or if I was ordering a book from somewhere else. But I ordered this book on my own because I wanted to find out how, what ministration was about. And my mother never told me anything about ministration. So I learned that way. My mother never told me how you got pregnant. And that was not in the Kimberly Clark book. And we didn't learn that in high school. So, so you didn't learn So your parents didn't talk to you about it. Nope. You, Consequently, I get pregnant. They don't teach you in high school. Nope. Do, your fr do you and your peers, do you and your friends at that point, are you guys talking about sex and how it's, not supposed to happen or how it's supposed to happen i mean are you guys having those conversations i was i was 60s i was they were maybe my friends were having them and some of my friends were having sex in the mid 60s that wasn't my story i was a, i was on the periphery as you know um despite what my friends may say i didn't have those conversations with people i went to the christian church and i was a girl scout we didn't have those conversations in church and we sure didn't have them in girl scouts um, and I don't know what the Girl Scout leaders who I adored, I don't know what her, her, she was telling her daughter who was also in my troop, but we weren't having those conversations in public or socially or in the educational system. Because it wasn't acceptable. It wasn't being done. We were, we were at the back, our generation, my class was at the back end of all of the, um, all of the demonstrations, bra burning, draft, you know, uh, protesting against the draft. We were caught right in between those things that were happening in the mid 60s and what has started happening in the 70s, which was, you know, the, the me generation, freedom, you know, the Woodstock, all that stuff. So we were right at the end of that, right in the middle of that, and not a part of either 
one of those huge movements. And also living in a small conservative town in Indiana. Uh, yeah, farming town in Indiana. Yeah. And whose parents had grown up in, in, in that neighborhood. So they had, my dad had gone off to war and of course he had a different life experience, but he was not about to have whatever a male's life experience was living abroad for his only daughter and the baby of the family. He wasn't gonna have that. And my mother, as I say, my parents didn't tell me anything. And I was not having those conversations with my girlfriends because I was, uh, I was and remain an introvert. And, and I was and remain uh, 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 steeped in the confining restrictions of Christianity as, as a punishing religion. Although I have since morphed out of that, thank God. And um, I still was a Girl Scout. And I was, and I am to this day. And there's a certain moral code that comes with being a Girl Scout. You don't have those kind of conversations. Let alone do those things. Oh, heck no. Heck no. So consequently, because I didn't know how you got pregnant, I did. I did. I certainly did. First time out, I did. Had no idea what was happening. Had no idea how I got that way. Had no idea, you know, when I'm missing a, a menstrual cycle, what that means. I was like into that whole missing the menstrual cycle by a couple of months, by two and a half months, actually. And I was like, well, what's going on? I went to the health center at college and they were like, oh, you're pregnant. I was like, how'd that happen? I'm asking them, how'd that happen? <laughs> that is fascinating. That is craziness. That's what that is. So, um, so it was, uh, you know, being in, in darkness about a lot of that stuff. Well, you know, since things for me have been sort of upside down that way, things happened to me that had no basis in reality or through which judgments or choices could have been made about such circumstances. Ignorance prevailed, even though I was a really good student in high school. I just was naive and innocent. And there's something lovely about that, but it's not always lovely to be naive and innocent. Right. I'd rather be educated and make my choices as I go along. And I'm still stumbling. You know, here I am in my 60s and I didn't know about my own sexual. I mean, I didn't know about my own sexuality for, you know, until a couple of years ago. I didn't know what to do. And that is that was born out of, um, I don't know, there must have been a little piece of fear in it all. Maybe a little bit of shame still attached to those basic Christian, punishing Christian values. Um, you know, and I've been working on myself deeply for many years. And so, you know, here I am at 60, whatever it is. Plus. Plus, 60 plus, lying about it because I'm really only What if you 44. did instead of 60 plus? Because she likes to tell everyone she's 44. And then meanwhile, I'll be 44 here in about five minutes. So we're not sure how that <laughs> math works out. Maybe if your mother told you how things happened, then we wouldn't be the same age. It's kind of weird. No, we'd probably still be the same age. Well, so we'll do 60 minus. Okay, that sounds good. I like that. 60 minus, we're turning back the clocks. I would then be asking my mother and or my father to give me information that they didn't have. Well, it sounds like all this information to a large degree, whether they had it or not, it just was not of the time when you shared those things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and that's why I say no fault of theirs, except for my mother, who I think had every responsibility to tell me about the menstrual cycle. 
who I think as a woman, looking at a woman, not at her child, should have shared information about premenopause, menopause, and postmenopause. Well, what years. did her, did you know, I mean, I guess likely if she didn't, she didn't share this stuff. It's like, did your grandma give her any information? Oh, you know, I can't tell you anything at all about what my grandma gave my mother, except a lot, a whole lot of love. Cause I lived with my grandmother uh, until I was five and she adored me. And I saw how she was with my mother and I saw how my mother was with her. But that was for a time when a woman was born in the late 1800s, you know, so mm -hmm. they did what they did to the best of their ability. And that's where I think all of us have a lot to learn about forgiveness. You know, I could have continued to drag my mother as an emotional hostage. She was my hostage emotionally for 44 years because of a childhood emotional wound that I made her story. And until, you know, and I, as I say, I'd been a lot of doing a lot of deep, deep work trying to get underneath why I felt the way I felt about certain people and circumstances and where my responsibility was in how I felt. I think a lot of people think that they can have their emotions and their emotions, although they are personal, were put upon them by someone else. We are responsible for everything we feel and a great, the greatest responsibility is, is to know why we feel the way we feel and to see if that's valid. And so I had been doing deep work and I got to the place where I was trying to unravel why I had not liked my mother for 40, 44, 40, let's see how old was I at that point? Why I hadn't liked her for at least 40 years. And, and it came to me in the middle of the night that I, I mean, and I woke up and I sobbed for hours and hours, not just a couple of minutes, but I'd cry and then some more of it would well up. And I had been holding my mother hostage to an emotional response I'd had when I was four years old. And I carried that with me into the rest of the next 40 years as the basis for my relationship for, with her and why I felt isolated from her and why I did not like her at all. And so the benefit of having that bizarre experience at age four was that I was extraordinarily close to my father, who I was close to anyway, but that just doubled down on how attached to him I felt. And thankfully, he was emotionally mature enough that he understood our relationship and nurtured that because he knew that I was wanting. Then my mom, but my mom, who was emotionally immature for a whole lot of reasons that are no one's business but ours, she would, she just, was detached from the things that came out of her mouth. And so she would say things that were, that she would joke about, but if, when a child hears the things that she would say about the child, as she said things about me, they were just wounds and wounds and wounds that drove home this separation and isolation from her and made it ever more real and convinced this child who'd been at that point hanging on to this four-year-old wound to be convinced that the wounding was legitimate and the feelings were legitimate and there was no reason to undo that. So fast forward to this revelation. 
I had been holding her hostage to my emotions from a four-year-old wound that had been solidified at that point. And I was not willing to do that anymore. And so I had to undo that to heal myself. It had nothing really to do with her at all. Nothing. That's what's so interesting is that ultimately it doesn't have to do with the other person ever. Mm -mm. However, as a four-year-old child who's, you know, just soaking it all up to then become the, become the person that we go on the journey to become, it's like, you don't know that. Not for 40 years. I didn't no. know that. No. You, I mean, so, yeah. I mean, it's, it's an inside job. And the thing is, Always. These, these parents do the best. We all do the best we can. We do the no best. No one knows what they're doing. That is for sure. And that's like the catch 22 about being a parent. Is right. that like you do your best and sometimes your best really sucks. And so you don't actually know that. I mean, the kids who are coming up now, I think that they actually are so evolved that they tell you that you suck <laughs> Yeah. when you're not showing up like, Oh, you're still looking at your phone and I'm trying to get your attention, put your phone down. They're actually telling us in the moment, like, the thing that we can do to be present to like maybe not have the wound, but it was a different time. Right. And oh, so if I had said anything like that to my parents, you get knocked out. Well, I would have been threatened to be backhanded. My parents never, ever, ever hit me ever. Oh, the only person that ever hit me when I was growing up was my mother's sister and my grandmother was still living. And I came home crying and my grandmother marched me right back out the front door, went right back next door. And this was to her oldest daughter. She looked her square in the face and she couldn't have been more than two inches from her nose. And she said, if you ever touch her again, you'll have to deal with me. And she took me by the hand and marched me right back over because we lived next door to each other. And I was mm -hmm. living with my grandmother and my aunt had spanked me for coming down a slide when she told me not to and she had she laid me out and i and we we were out of town when that happened and by the time we got home i mean she, she spanked me hard enough that i was crying and i of course she told me to shut up or i'd have something to cry about and so i did and when we got home i got out of the car and went in and told my grandmother mm -hmm. what had happened and she she i felt protected and thought I, this will never happen to me again. My mother would raise her hand back and, you know, say, if you don't stop that, I'm going to spank you. But my parents never hit me ever, ever. I think I might've needed an extra spanking. You I might have. I, <laughs> I think things could have been different for You're, me if you would have maybe tried to control. Your brothers me. thought you never got spanked and you should have been spanked. I mean, it I probably was spanked. like three times. Uh, I mean, it was so rare that, yeah, that maybe I would deserve a yeah. little bit more but I mean back then if I had said to my parents or or even given them a suggestion about how they could have corrected their my perception of how they could have attended to me they would have back my they would have threatened to backhand me and some kids I mean it was very common for kids to get backhanded back then you get back kids I you know I saw little kids and when I was growing up get backhanded and knocked off their feet I was thinking knocked this onto their butt the other day because we got in trouble a long time ago um, for my brothers being older, we were told not to go down to the park, but we did. I think, I can't remember the full story, but 
we did something that granny told us not to do. And so I didn't get in trouble because I was the younger one, which it really worked out for me. Um, <laughs> but she told them to go out and get a switch. And Yo. I'm like, do people even talk about a switch anymore? If you don't know what a switch is, it is a, it is a tiny little branch from a tree. And my granny told my brothers to go get a switch. So that's a whole, you know, that was a whole culture. Um, and I, she didn't do that all the time. I mean, that's just how people, that's how they were. They dealt with stuff, but I, I appreciate you sharing because I think that there's a ton of information that could have been useful for you. But as a result, you have shared a lot of information with me. And these are conversations that we can be talking about now as you know, my body's going into perimenopause and that's like a really weird thing or childbirth or, you know, you told me it was way after I'd had my first sexual experiences that you said, you know, every time you have sex with someone, you're giving away a piece of your soul. And that was, a, you know, a really good, I mean, it was real deep, but it was really good information. So I think that, you know, we've certainly opened the doors and even, and, you know, and to the point of like, you were a person who wanted that information from your family and you weren't getting it. And then, you know, some kids, even if they don't ask for it or seem like they want it or are trying to hide from it, like we all need to be having these conversations so we can equip ourselves and our families with, right. You know, with the information we need to live our best lives. So we're going to continue to explore all these topics such as menopause. Um, the next time I have you on, we're going to talk about um, dating in your, you know, 60 minuses and like what <laughs> that looks like, because that's a whole journey that you're on and, and trying to navigate, like, what does that look like? And just the culture around aging and um, men your age and all that. So we're going to dig into a lot of those great topics and, and, you know, with aging, you know, they're the, obviously the sexuality piece comes in. I just did an interview with Matthew Lee Smith um, and he is an expert on aging. And we, we looked at, it, he's like, you know, people don't want to think about their grandparents having sex or their grandma having sex, but like, it's real and it's really happening. And so they've done all this research around just connection and intimacy and sexual relationships. And one of the things that's so fascinating is, is because men, you know, die typically before women, you know, when you're getting these, you know, into these, um, not necessarily the senior centers, but like not, and, and maybe not assisted living, but just the retirement communities. Right. There's less men to go around. Right. Um, and so women typically, you know, will have the information that they are sharing this one man and right. he's kind of going out and spreading his seed. I mean, it is a fascinating conversation and a topic because here's the deal people are more likely to live longer and vital and happier lives with connection. Right. And that doesn't always have to mean the actual act of sex, but it's the act, the act of intimacy. Yes. So we're going to explore all that. Fun and stuff. what did I tell you the other day, or are you and your brother the other, or just within the last couple of days, I need to be touched. And I think that people die younger because they are not touched. And if the only way that I can be touched right now is for me to pay for a massage once or twice a month in a safe and healing and also 
extremely uh, health-giving way, I'm going to pay for a massage. Because through the years, as you've known, I have been single for 28 years. And of my adult life, I have to say, I'm, there's so much more to be said about all of this. I've been single longer than I have been in relationship. And if the healthy, uh, acceptable, emotionally acceptable way for me to maintain my sense of intimacy with myself is to go get a massage and be touched from head to toe, then that's what I'm going to do. And you said something early on about the word grace, and you are trying to uh, figure out where in the scheme of things that fits and if it fits. These conversations that you and I have writing in the car, on the telephone, by email and text messages, these conversations that we have are the grace in my life. And as your daughter and son grow up, you will see that the grace that they give you by having uh, these conversations with you is will be your greatest understanding and also your greatest source of peace. This has been an episode of the Wonder Life Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show. For more information about Wonder Health or Wonder Health Age and Vitality Summits, go to wonderhealth.com, and that is wonder with a U. You may find us on social, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Wonder Health. This has been an episode of the Wonder Life Podcast. Thank you so much for joining. If you would like to learn more from this guest or others on the podcast, join us on April the 18th, 2020 in Fort Collins, Colorado for the Wonder Health Summit, all about age and vitality. You may find out more information or pre-register online at wonderhealth.com. And that is wonder with a U.